Hello and welcome to the Empowered Women's Project, a podcast and community made by women for women to help you live your best life and reconnect you back to the things that really matter. Today, I am so excited. We've got the beautiful Nicola Lay, who is a super mama and a breath worker, who is sharing with us all around the power of breath. We talk how we stop breathing because of the the busyness and craziness of life, how often it's affected our emotions, our health and well-being, how we can go ahead and teach our children how to start breathing more, and some things that we can do today to help center our breath and start breathing deeply so that it helps connect our emotions, it helps improve our oxygenation to our body, and so many other things. I could talk to Nicola for hours. I know you will absolutely love this episode, so let's jump in. Well, I'm so excited to have you on our podcast. We have beautiful Nicola Lay, who is a super mama. Um, I've had the privilege of spending some time with her. She's got an incredible energy about her. And we're going to be talking all things breath work today, which I know for some of you listening, um, you're already doing and practicing. And for others, it's brand new and it's something that you're excited to learn more about. So thanks for, for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Very excited to be on here today. I love anything where I can talk about breath work. <laughs> so maybe let's start, um, start at the beginning. How did you come to, you know, find yourself doing breath work or using that to help you in your own life journey? Um, you have shared a little bit with me before, but I'd love for everyone to, to understand a bit more about your background. Yeah. So I guess for me, um, it all started about 23 years ago. <laughs> showing my age, um, where I became a holistic therapist and I worked you know, with people that were coming in with various issues and so on. And I ended up working in a palliative care unit as a sideline of my business, where I was sitting with people and, um, you know, giving them massages and reflexology and using oils and things. But ultimately I was working with teams with you know, lymphatic teams to, um, you know, lung health teams. So yeah, lots of physios and they would have me in there working with them to help them loosen off like ribs and chests and constipation, which is all linked to breath. Mm. Um, and it started me in this huge passion of just watching people as morbid as it sounds passing away and watching the reactions of everyone in their families and close friends the grief and just watching this consistent um, behavior of not breathing. Mm. And it really became quite apparent to me. And also listening to the stories of people that were passing. They used to tell me anything because I was not a medical caregiver. I was a therapist. Um, so I would listen to a lot of um, life stories and mm. I would notice there was a common thread that was showing up in, you know, people that weren't in that palliative care system, just usual, like normal person off the street coming in for therapy. And then it just sort of transpired that in time, I also, you know, was finding myself at times of stress when I went through different moments of life where I was also having issues with my breath and noticing that I wasn't breathing. And then I then moved across to Australia and was practicing as a Pilates practitioner for more in a kind of um, rehabilitation style Pilates, not fitness. So I would get people coming in to see me and they would have their own injuries, lack of breath, you know, tight ribs, tight diaphragms, sitting at a desk for hours on end saying the same thing. So I was thinking, wow, this is crazy. Like we're, you know, 15 years on and I'm seeing the same link, you know. 
So in all of that time, I also used to attract people that were pregnant because I, you know, just loved working with women and helping them. And then I also became pregnant myself and became on this crazy mission (laughs) to find someone to help me breathe through my birth. And it was not a thing. And I'm thinking, what is wrong? Like, why is no one teaching women how to breathe? And I did hypnobirthing and they were telling me about breathing out for 10, breathing in for eight. And I'm thinking, well, I can't even get to eight. Like I've got my diaphragm is squashed. So I became quite obsessed at this moment to find the the breath worker to send me into a birth that was going to be empowering. And I found a beautiful yoga friend and she sat with me and we did some amazing breath work. And that was kind of like this next level of I've got to do this for work. Mm -hmm. Like women need to be able to understand how to breathe. Um, and then fast forward tracking into postnatal for me, I then also realized that I wasn't breathing with two children, you know, working really hard, you know, always just on the run and my breath was becoming difficult. So I walked into a breath class and, and it was a proper breath class. I was so ecstatic. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I remember walking out of that breath class and it was a deep transformational breath class. It wasn't just your usual in and out. And um, I remember just standing there crying, but internally the happiest I'd felt in years. And I remember at this moment thinking, I think I might have found myself again. Mm -hmm. I think it's back. And that was it for me. I was on a mission then to learn how to do breath work. And yeah, and now we're here today and, I've been breathing hundreds and hundreds of women and just seeing the same thread, like since, you know, 23 years ago, the same stories, the same, you know, life stresses, the same inability to breathe, um, you know, and so on. So roundabout way, that's where I've been for the last 23 years. Incredible. Well, I, I love that story and I got goosebumps when you just shared when you had that transformational experience yourself and you felt like just that freedom and, what do you think, you know, one of the things I say is often we're busy being busy <laughs> and it's so easy to get caught up in the, in the busyness of life and we do, we hold our stress and, and we internalise it. And I know even for myself, so I grew up and I had really bad asthma. So breath for me has been really challenging and I, I hated the fact that I needed to take some sort of a puffer or whatever to try and give me breath. So I actually have found over the years being quite protective and just taking what I can because I don't want to do too much because I remember that feeling. But in saying that, you know, I had my three babies at home and I'm so grateful for my midwife and she really helped me, you know, understand the power of breath as well. What are some of the reasons you feel that people are so disconnected from their breath? Yeah, so many reasons. Ah, where do we start? um, People are so in that like kind of sedentary position a lot, sitting at the desk, shoulders rolling forward. And we start this from school, you know, just at sitting down as human beings. We're not really meant to sit down on our tailbones. We're meant to be like walking around or on all fours. (laughs) Um, So our body hasn't quite um, caught up with ourselves. So our diaphragms get squashed and our ribs get sort of condensed down and we're sitting in that flex forward. And I also think now, even now from like 23 years ago, we're in our phones now, right? So we're sitting forward, looking in our phones. So 
even just sitting like this now today, I'm like always aware that, gosh, I can't, I need to sit up straight. I need to be taller. And, but we don't get taught this at school. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel that that's one component of why people are struggling to breathe in the first place is because of a postural awareness. Yes. But I also see that in life we have, when we're born, we're born as breathing gurus, you know, our diaphragms are just perfect. Our, you know, our lungs just move and breathe effortlessly through the belly. And there's none of this, you know, breathing through the collarbones mm. and through, through the top parts of our chest that comes from, you know, bad breath work, you know, you know, bad habits, but we're not aware of it. So I like to see our life like a backpack. So when we're born, the backpack's empty, there's nothing really in it. And we're doing, you know, amazing, just turning up and being in life. And then as we get, you know, into life, things happen, don't they? Whether it's a fall and you get winded or, you know, your parents are going through a divorce or separation or you're being bullied or, you know, everything that we go through our life, we're putting these things into this backpack and we're carrying it around and whatever we're going through, even if we're observing a trauma, it's not actually happening to us. That's also going into our kind of our backpack mm -hmm. and then you know depending on what you've done to release it we're sort of carrying it around and some people have got backpacks and trailers you know we've all got <laughs> these things that we're carrying on with and it kind of stifles the breath and mm -hmm. when we're going through all these traumas you know like when you're a kid and you're like you know I might be a generational thing but you know stop crying I'll give you something to cry about or stop talking or you're not allowed and you stop being mm. conscious. You stop being allowing yourself to be who you need to be. And it stops the breath work. It stops that natural breath work that we were born with. And it's, it's interesting observing it because as we go through life, we, we're just stopping ourselves from breathing nicely. We're stopping our, ourselves from allowing to observe life in front of us. And we're just in it. And you know, when you see people and they're just so so unconscious they're walking with their phones out in front of them and i you know can't say i'm completely not guilty of that because i am at times but i think you know the layers start to happen we carry around all these things and then we're like not sleeping very well you know we're we're getting up we're straight into it in the morning we're not doing really good habits and i think you know for anyone that's listening if you're not breathing, like there's a few things that happen, the non-breathers, the holding your breath and then going, oh, God, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Or the, the ones that are, you know, that real like hyperventilating a lot of the time. Then there's a real shallow breathers that just aren't really breathing at all. And that's, mm -hmm. I think it's about 75% of people walking around not breathing properly, which wow. is a huge, huge percentage. Um, and then on top of it, you know, we're driving, we're sit, our sitting posture is pretty much the, the, the start of it going wrong. And then you've got all the backpack stuff that you're carrying around with. Yeah. So it's not really, you know, a surprise that most people are not breathing very well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I think back and we, we've been teaching, we homeschool our children and we've been teaching them about um, their diaphragm and the power of breath and we have a puppy and you look at her sleeping and, you know, she's just belly breathing and the same with a brand new baby. They know exactly, like you said, what to do, but over time we, we forget that. Um, what are some of the, I guess, the health benefits? Because obviously there is the emotional element 
for breath work and I know we'll talk more into it but if 75% of people are shallow breathing or not really getting that full breath um, obviously there's a lack of oxygen that's that's you know entering our body and that's going to have many health implications as well what's been your experience with that well, as soon as we stop breathing correctly, our body goes into the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is our fight and flight, mm -hmm. you know, where we're always in that alert. And, and to be honest, a lot of people are in that most of the time. And it's that coping mechanism to keep us safe. But unfortunately, once we're in that and we're using that to live by, we then give ourselves burnout, mm -hmm. adrenal fatigue. Um, and then with all of that, then comes all the, you know, immune suppressant issues, you know, health issues that are quite, quite big. And when we're in that fight and flight, you know, it's very hard to realize or how to get out of that. You know, sometimes I've worked with people before who've said, well, I don't know how to, to calm in the moment. I wouldn't even know what brings me joy. I don't even know how to do that breath. And I think that's, I always say to people, have you tried meditating? Oh no, I can't do meditation. Yeah. It's, it's my head is already bored. Uh, I've got to get out of here. I've got a million things to do. And, and even for people at nighttime, you know, just if you're in your fight and flight, if you think about it primarily, if we're a cave people, mm -hmm. we would be out on watch waiting for the dinosaur, right? So you're not going to go to sleep on watch, are you? So that's why if we're in that sympathetic, um, you know, nervous system pattern, we're not going to allow our body to relax, to go to sleep. Mm. And it carries on. And you can see how then lots of people become really unwell and unhappy um, mentally and physically. So there are some things that you can do to sort of really understand is that the breath is the biggest teach that we have. How we're living is how we're breathing. So if anyone's listening today and they're like, oh my goodness, that's me. You know, whatever you're doing, or maybe, maybe we should take them through an exercise quickly because it's literally like three breaths. <laughs> I was going to say that would be amazing because I, I obviously got to do um, a breathwork experience with you and I don't know, maybe it was what, an hour, hour and a half? That we yeah, it was about an hour and 20, yeah. And it was incredible. And the, the process that you took us through was, you know, I've always had challenge meditating because my mind definitely starts going into the to-do list and all of these other things. But because it was, you know, you talk about active breath work that, you know, the body or my mind was focused on breathing versus mm -hmm. I couldn't do two things at once. Um, but in saying that for a lot of people, the day-to-day the -day stresses bring about challenge in the moment. And so how do they then, what's something that they could do uh, that would help them in that exact moment, as well as scheduling time through their day to, to go through their practice. But it's often in that, uh, you know, what do I do here? That if people have the tools would be, so if you can share something with us, that would be yeah, amazing. Absolutely. And you know, it's not, doesn't need to be meditative. Like yes. some people say, oh, I don't have time. And I'm like, no, 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 it's literally in the moment. You <laughs> mm. can do this. So there's a few things that we can do. So first of all, it might be just putting your hand to your chest, hand to your diaphragm. So if you don't understand what your diaphragm is, and it's okay if you don't, like, you know, let's learn now. If you find that dome, that last bit of your ribs, and you'll feel the squashiness underneath that last rib. And it's that the beautiful diaphragm is one of the biggest muscles in the body. And it's a, you know, 
an actual muscle that helps us breathe so it's kind of like a little dome and it's a bit squashy and if you press it it makes you feel a bit icky sometimes but that's our diaphragm and that's our main breathing muscle and then you take your hand to your chest and let's just do breath awareness because that's how you start being understanding like you know if you can't breathe let's just try and find out where you're breathing so just take a breath in through the nose and out and ideally in through the nose and out through the nose. But a lot of people might suffer with sinus issues or just not having been, you know, used to breathing in out of the mouth, which is, we'll come back to that in a moment. So just try and bring awareness to however you're going to breathe. So just take three breaths in and out. And just notice as you're breathing, if your shoulders are coming up around your ears or you feel like you just can't even get that breath. And if you're noticing that when you're breathing, you're breathing up into your collarbones. So let's change it. So now we know what we're doing. If you're breathing up and down, it means that you're, you know, breathing up into your collarbones, breathing incorrectly. And it does take practice to bring the breath back. And one of the things that if you are a mouth breather, you're actually going straight into your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight flight. And it's hard because if you've got a breath disorder, it can be very challenging to breathe in and out the nose. But to start with, if you can just breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth, that's also okay. So just try and get used to breathing in and out the nose, but don't give yourself a hard time if you can't get there. <laughs> so breathing into your belly. So keeping that hand where that diaphragm is now, let's try and breathe into our belly. So breathing in through the nose, find that expansion of the belly under your hand. And as you exhale, just feeling it going... Breath in and out. Breath in and out. And maybe even try and play. So if you've got your breath into your belly now, you can put your hands around the sides of your ribs even and see if you can expand your belly and the sides of your ribs. So breathing in and out. Breath in and out. And one more, breath in and out. And that's as simple as it is to just do breath observing, breath awareness. And it does take time. If you've been incorrectly breathing for most of your life and you know it, just try that. It doesn't need to be meditative. And then the other things that you can do once you understand that the breath work is, wow, it's a thing. Um, it, you can learn then to breathe in and sigh out. My whole house breathes in and sighs out. You can hear them all over the house. <laughs> Breathing in, sighing out. And it doesn't need to be noisy, but if you've got, you don't care, then let it be. Let it be auditory. Mm. Um, my children breathe with a big sigh out often. And remembering that the breath can slow us down and speed us up and you can use it to energize. So for me around two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, I might listen to my husband who's working next door and I'll, I'll hear him doing an energized breath, which we can do in a, in a while. Um, and that's his coffee. That's not him reaching for a coffee. That's him doing a breath work to give himself a bit more energy to get through the rest of the day, mm -hmm. to be ready to go and pick up the children from school or 
you know, where, what, if he needs to bring his energy on, that's what we all do, actually. I so there's so many ways. And just, you know, just noticing yourself, noticing your posture when you breathe. And if you find sitting up really hard when you're doing this breath awareness, lay down. Lay down, find it, do it in bed before you get out of bed. You know, just start just doing the small steps to bring yourself out of, you know, out of that um, breathing dysfunction to breathing awareness. Yeah. I, I love that you have um, incorporated this into your family and obviously it's your passion. So that that's normal, but you've got a five and an eight year old, right? Yes. So how, how do you uh, teach them to use their breath in maybe times of being stressed or, you know, frustrated versus how they might normally respond when they're not aware of that? <laughs> I, cause I did hypnobirthing and then I also went off and found people to breathe with me when I was pregnant. I was fully in my breath the whole way through my pregnancies. And I also had, you know, um, hyperemesis and HG through pregnancy, which meant I threw up like maybe 15, 20 times a day. Oh my so I use the breath to try and help me through all those moments. But I also know, and we know now that it's getting much more scientifically proven that our babies feel everything while they're in utero. Yes. So my children would have heard me breathing on purpose all the way through their pregnancy. Um, and when they were tiny babies, breastfeeding, I would just try and drop my shoulders, feel my posture, use my breath. Um, and so they've been brought up knowing that we breathe. We just breathe like this. And then as they, you know, arrived into kindy and, you know, daycare and I would show them little breath work. So every night they have like one minute. That's all it takes when they're, especially when they're young, is that they just lay down on the ground at nighttime. And they put a, a teddy bear on their diaphragms and they use it to feel their teddy bears lifting up on the inhale and then releasing on the exhale. And it's a three in, three out. And they breathe in and out of their nose they don't use their mouths. Their mouths are very rarely open. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really good at breathing. And we use the breath instead of sort of trying to, you know, when we're feeling ourselves reacting to a moment, we'll both, me and my husband, will both use our breath instead of our words, you know, not every time, but, <laughs> you know, most of the time. Um, and the girls will also know that they, when they're feeling the you know anger coming up we let them have all their emotions we don't suppress that and we'll say to them would you like to come and sit with me and we'll just do some breathing together or mm -hmm. do you want to cuddle in a breath with mommy and they they know that now it's kind of normal for them but it's really interesting my eldest who's eight you know she's had a much she's a beautiful wild personality free-spirited and her her anger her excitement her drama is always quite out there so <laughs> we always i've used the breath to you know sort of um to change the energy of her so to kind of like a pattern interrupter so when she's you know really crazy i might just do some you know just using my breath and she'll look at me and Oh yeah, I got to just breathe. Just remind so, yeah. And she's probably fought me quite a lot over the years. Like, I don't want to breathe. I don't want to go and sit there and breathe. I don't like it, you know. And it's okay, like you know. But I think it's interesting. The other day, she came home from school and she had a, a not very nice experience. And she said to me, "The breathing works, Mum. I just used it today and it works." And it's 
it really helped me today. And then my youngest, who is, she is definitely the breath worker of the future for sure. <laughs> she, <laughs> she broke her arm at kindy two years ago and um, quite, quite badly as well. <laughs> and they rang me from kindy and they said, um, she's broken her arm, but she's doing that breath work thing that you do. And she's like, she's in labor. She's fully internal. She's not talking. She's just breathing. And I picked her up. I took her to the hospital. She's in her car seat. And I'm going, good, good breathing. Keep breathing. And internally, I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to breathe. <laughs> get to the hospital. And they didn't really see her. And, and bearing in mind, she was only just three. And, and they didn't rush to see her because she wasn't crying. She was really calm. Mm -hmm. And then when they did the x-rays, I had do, two doctors came down to see me and they said, what did she do? What, what have you taught her? That is not normal for a, a three-year-old to not be in a terrible place with that break. And I'm like, she just breathes. <laughs> so in all of the moments, that's how the girls have been brought up so far is I just love that. Yeah. You know, our breath helps ground us, doesn't it? And it's interesting. One of the things we talk about is often our, when a child hurts themselves or something new happens for the first time, the first thing they do is they'll look to their parents or the adult around them for their reaction or their response. And so if our reaction is, oh my gosh, you know, and freaking out, they're going to do the same. So you, you know, start leading from the front and then and the modeling your behavior and learning how to calm and center themselves. That is such a beautiful gift that you've taught them at such a young age. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And I think that any of us can change that, you know, yes. even with teenagers, like you're going to say, you know, you can bring it into the family and say, this works, let's try it. Let's do it together. Let's see totally. if this works. Yeah. Mm. our daughter she's eight and very emotional sounds like yeah she's there's a lot of stubbornness <laughs> in that little body of hers and you can just tell when she's getting on a rant and she's just like nothing's right and she mm. if we give her a big cuddle and we just let her like you said expressing emotions and I really want to talk more into this with you because I think your experience of being with people near the end of their life and so many things being withheld and pushed down and suppressed, probably they would have shared things with you that they wouldn't have shared with their nearest and dearest because they didn't feel judgment or whatever. But anytime she's having this moment and we can totally sense that when I wasn't aware of it, I just used to push back and be like, sort it out, you know, get over it, go have time out. But what we know now and, and, and just seeing her pattern is if we hold her and just let her get it out and then when then she'll just have this big and everything will just relax and then it's all she needed. She just needed to get that emotion out and then we'll breathe together and she's a different little girl. But I think whether it's our eight-year-old daughter or our 40-year-old self, it's kind of like, it's so easy to suppress the emotion and keep going instead of actually feeling it. And there's a difference between feeling an emotion and dwelling in it. You know, I think some people just stay in that pity party and don't kind of look to, to move forward, but there's power in feeling happy, sad, joy, fear, and whatever that is and allowing yourself to feel it. So in your experience with, you know, being with so many people towards the end of their life as well, what were some of the common things or trends, I guess, that you would have seen that kind of made you see and live life differently because of their, what they shared with you? Yeah. Wow. It was an incredible humbling experience. And at the time of my life, I was going through 
a really messy separation, you know, financial loss, house loss, you know, and I used to drive in every day and be, gosh, poor me. And then I'd come out going, I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you'd listen to the stories of, I wish I had, I wish I hadn't held on to all that resentment. Mm. I wish I'd just let my children just be who they needed to be. And I wish I hadn't controlled it. I wish I'd let myself be happier. That was one of the big ones. Why mm. was I so uptight? Why did I worry about what everyone was thinking? Why did I have to keep up with everybody else? The car, the house. Why couldn't I have just traveled more or, you know, found happiness in myself? Um, and a lot of people that were at the end stage were fear, fear that they, you know, they didn't get to do what they wanted to do. They didn't get, and they weren't ready to go. They didn't, they were fighting themselves to the end, which was really tricky to see that mm. usually in younger people. I think one of the last patients I ever worked with, she was exactly the same age as me with twins. And it was one of the most heartbreaking like cases I'd had to work on. And I just remember looking at her and she just said to me, why did I, what, why has this happened to me? Like, you know, and then when we unpicked it, she'd had a really traumatic childhood and, and then just watching her, just, just talking about how she'd held on to all the emotions of her mum's separation and, you know, held on to her mum's anxiety. And I think she realised even in that conversation that it was okay to let it go. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't hers to hold on to anymore. And I think she found that peaceful moment, you know, towards the end. But I think, you know, <laughs> even now when I'm coaching women who are same age as me, nearly 47, coming up to 50, even ones younger, everyone's trying to undo this backpack, you know, this backpack that we're all carrying. Everyone's carrying around things that they don't realise that are often not even theirs. Mm -hmm. You know, things that they've seen or heard that they've decided that they've made that their story. And... That's why it's so relevant. Over the years, I've just watched the same cycle of the belief systems, the lack of boundaries, the lack of values, even in myself. You know, over the years, I've had to work really hard. And I still do to stay in alignment to make sure I'm not carrying on, holding on to other, other people's things. Like, you know, you don't get to be in this work if you're not an empath, you know. <laughs> and I think um, I was talking to a client the other day who's in her 60s and she's still holding on to the trauma of her childhood. Mm. And it's just, when are you going to be able to let that go? Because if you can't, you're not going to, you know, are you actually going to be finding that happiness that you need or you deserve even? Yeah, we're robbing ourselves of the now when we keep, you know, right. robbing that around, don't we? And I think so many people are so frightened of what's coming up and what and holding on to everything that's been that they forget right now is the most important moment, yeah. like today, like noticing. And we've become so um, attached to things and concepts and other people's lives through social media that we forget that the simple. Mm -hmm. So I always say to people, what's the simple thing that you can do right now? Like what is, what is true? Like right now, what is true? And often people will say, Oh yeah. Like right now, I like, guess this is the only point that actually matters is right now. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I love, um, I love Macklemore and he has a song where he says, so many of us are um, scared of the future, thinking about the past while missing out on now. And I'm like, Oh, it's just that reminder of, yeah. And so many people are not present with, 
this day <laughs> and it's either forward focused or in the staring in the revision mirror and doesn't serve us no and social media unfortunately is one of the key things now is so many good um, documentaries aren't there at the moment yeah but you know just that thing of looking at someone else's life there their house, their car, and is that actually true? Like, is that is that are they actually living their life authentically? And are you trying to keep up with them? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love you to speak into um, for for those women listening that are either pregnant or planning to have a bub. I know for me, when I um, I'd been in the wellness space for fifth or ten or more years before having our first child, and I read books and I really, what I loved was looking at the indigenous cultures or cultures that had gone many years before us without a lot of medical intervention. That was just knowing and tapping into the power of the incredible female body and what it is possible of doing. And one of the things that I've seen, and I wrote a book around it, is just the fear that is instilled in women around being pregnant and giving birth that it, we look at the movies and it's painful. You yell a lot. You're on your back with your feet in the air, like all of these horrible things that does not depict the actual beauty of what birth is. And one of the common things that I see with so many women that I speak to is they're fearful um, or the medical system will treat their pregnancy like it's an illness and don't do this and don't do that rather than just embracing the power of you know, of the feminine and what it can do. And don't get me wrong, I know there is a time and a place for, for medical intervention when necessary, but I think for a lot of women, they're either pushed or scared or forced into um, getting the Caesar because the baby won't, you know, the hips are too small or, you know, you need to do this and not, we need to have it by this date and all of these things. And so we're giving our power away. Um, with the breath work that you do, you're helping women connect to that power. So could you speak into that a little bit? Yes, gosh. Yesterday we recorded a podcast on language around the woman and birth. And that's kind of where it starts too. It's, you know, like you said, the movies and, mm-hmm. and the language of, you know, fail to progress or your baby's too big or you know, all, all of that and the language that your family uses around, oh gosh, oh my gosh, oh, you're going to be in for a, a right old time. Oh, this was my birth experience, you know, and the fear is what stops the mum believing in her body and her baby. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I work with the mum to take her out of the ego space, the mind, the overthinking brain and drop into her heart space, into her body and actually work with her body than against it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I see in so many births or so many roll-ups to birth is that if a mum is go, 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 go all the way through her pregnancy, she's not even stopping. She thinks she can work right up to the day that that baby is born in a possible high-powered job or a, you know, a, a job where she is in that fight the dinosaur mode. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of women are hankering for this date this is the date that I've been told I'm going to have my baby by and they see that like a project or like a this is the deadline my baby's got to come out before this time so I unpack all of that by using breath work and coaching to just help the mom realize that it's a maybe day Mm -hmm. (laughs) not an actual date and that 
how can they allow their body to grow and be present with their baby in utero to you know really enjoy their body as it's changing and to be in the breath more and to come down into the parasympathetic system where it's that beautiful rest and digest and honoring the body honoring the change and preparing for what's on the other side of birth as well because i've noticed that so many women are fixated on this perfect water birth but really the birth's going to come anyway it chooses but if we can let go of the fear and look at what's on the other side of birth a woman then feels ready you know understanding that a lot of fear comes from i might not be very good parent Mm -hmm. i like my sleep i'm not going to get any sleep um having really beautiful conversations with their with their partner or their family about what that looks like what support they're going to get and ultimately all a woman needs is to feel loved and safe mm-hmm. and when when those two factors are in place the softness can arrive and the birth begins <laughs> but there's so much unfortunately australia is very behind in birthing than the uk yes where i'm from and the great thing about COVID is that home birthing has now started to increase in this country, which I'm like, yes, so good. <laughs> I just want more midwives now to do this work. But um, there's been some incredible home births and not so incredible births at hospital lately because women are very fear in a lot of fear going in, wearing masks, mm-hmm. not being told that they can have their partner there, not allowed a water birth for some reason. Um and I think there's so many obstacles. So I think for a woman, as she's in her pregnancy, if she's met with so many blocks, she starts to believe that it's going to be difficult. Yeah. And when your mindset is taking you into fear and this isn't going to happen for me, this isn't the way I want it to be, it's that I always say, go back to your primal being. You're that woman who's looking for a dark cave to birth her baby in. And if you're outside trying to hold everyone off and you're, you know, you're not going to birth your body's not going to do it spontaneously. It's going to just be a fight to get there. And that's why induction now is kind of standard in yes. this country, sadly, in the medical field, and um, where they're forcing your baby to be born before it's ready. And, and that comes with its whole, I could talk about this for hours, but mm. that's where the trauma births come. That's where the mother isn't ready yet. And it's, it's real, it needs to change. I agree. I agree. It's interesting. Um, I remember when I was doing all of my research, you know, if, if women were pregnant in France, they mm-hmm. allow um, mamas to go through even to 40, 42 weeks of, of term and it's perfectly normal. And so with my second, I was actually, he was due around Christmas, New Year's. So everyone normally, you know, it's no big deal, but everyone was on holiday. So they're expecting the phone call. I remember getting a call from a girl, a text saying, I can't believe you didn't tell me that you had him and I had the baby. I didn't know what I was having at the time. And I'm like, that's because I'm still pregnant. And I ended up having him on the 21st of January. So three-ish weeks late or overdue. And when I was, if I had been in the system, I would have been induced, probably ending in in emergency seizure or something. And my midwife was such a source of strength for me to be like, it's okay. It's all going as it should. He's the one or Bub's the one that is going to let us know when they're ready to join the world. Not We don't get to declare that. And um, I, had, I just had this huge sense of calm because she had that faith and, and you know, I guess, wisdom 
in 1800 home births that she'd actually been working at. So it is a, uh, a mindset and a wisdom that's missing right now. And I think the more conversations like this, just bringing light to what is really, really powerful. So thank you for sharing more on that. And so you coach mamas, you know, through their pregnancy, you're there also, you attend births and help mamas through that as well. I tend to go to a woman's house or on the phone as phone support until they go to hospital. Yeah, because- beautiful. I feel that the midwives are so equipped, like they know. And if a mama is turning up, presenting, really breathing beautifully, in a zone, really happy, then they're going to leave them alone. It's when a mom turns up and she's flailing around and she's in a full like fight and flight mode and she's out of control. Um, That's when they go in and they start intervention. But um, yeah, if any moms are listening and they're pregnant, you know, just know that you've just doing the work, slowing down, allow your body to do what it needs to do and just really observe what's coming up for you, what fear is coming up for you and do some fear releasing, write down what your fears are, burn them in the garden, you know, sounds a bit woo-woo, but that's what we would have done 30, 40, 50 years ago Mm. in a circle of women that would have brought a baby into the world. They would have, you know, you wouldn't have felt the fear because you had the village to support you. Yes, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. I think um you you mentioned before so there's things that we can do in the moment that will help ground us and i know you do like i got to experience an amazing um guided process with you and so you work with people on lots of different levels um you mentioned getting that two o'clock coffee fix through breath what does that look like that sounds awesome i'm not a coffee person so that's not something that i kind of lean in for but um i know there's a lot of people on the line that's probably a necessary part to kicking off their day or continuing it in the afternoon (laughs) so you can do a box breathing which is the four breaths in hold for four four breaths out hold for four and it goes on and you can increase that to five in five, you know, you can, you can add it and make it bigger. Yes. And um, all there's the, the coffee breath, I call it the energy breath, which is three sniffs through the nose. And then it sounds like a boo. So it goes like this. Boo. 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 And you might do that like five times, take a breath in, sigh out, and then start the cycle again. Or you can just keep going and you can make it faster. You can make it slower. Um, and it makes everybody smile and laugh because it's fun. Um, but honestly, if I need to get work done and I'm sitting at the computer and I can feel myself going, oh my gosh, I'm getting tired. If I add in like maybe 20 of those breaths, I get a little bit like oxygenated. So I feel a bit high, like a yes. little bit like ooh, lightheaded. And that is actually okay to do that. And then honestly, I can give myself like another hour of full concentration. So mm-hmm. it's is really useful tool just to add that energy into your day yeah <laughs> incredible so um how can people how can our listeners learn more about you uh and connect with you uh, i'd love you to share whether you've got a website or your socials well, i have a website it's in the middle of being changed at the moment but it's nicolalay.com but essentially every single friday on instagram i do a free breathing session amazing and that's either in the morning or the evening depending you know the week for me um, and I'll always advertise it in the week rolling in so you just go into Nicola Nicola uh, underscore lay on Instagram and I'm in there and breathing and the, all my IGTVs are all breathing meditations so you can even just download IGTV and just grab a, a breathing 
um, technique and, and roll with it. I have people messaging me all the time. I've even had a lady that just birthed recently who I didn't even know who said that she used my breath work the whole way through her pregnancy. Oh, how special. So good. Um, and I've also got a free meditational track, which they can download off my bio inside Instagram and just do that in the morning and the evening. And you'll find that your life will become quite different when you're using the breath. Incredible. Well, it's been so valuable. Um, I'll make sure we have the links in our show notes to those resources. And you also host a podcast. I understand you're speaking a lot uh, to women specifically. Is it mainly through birth or what's um, the yeah, it's a pregnancy and a birth podcast um, with Shari Lyons from Belly to Birth? It's called Nurture Hub for Pregnancy and Birth. And um, yeah, we're supporting many women and, you know, doing live coaching calls and just bringing in specialists that are really, you know, trying to change the way that we're birthing in this country. Incredible. Well, we'll pop the link to that as well in our show notes. I am so grateful for your time today. And um, I absolutely loved the experience that I got to share with you a few months ago. And I think this is such an important missing link for so many people on their wellness journey. Um, It's easy to look at, I need to be fit or I need to focus on my nutrition. But if our breath is not there, you know, it's, it's, it has such an incredible connection to our health and well-being. So thank you so much. Oh, before we go, I meant to say to you, if people want to breathe the way that we did together um, when I was with you, I do the deeper transformational breath on Zoom now every month. Um, so they can go and purchase a ticket for that and um, when I've got my next ones um, and come and do the breath work that you did with me because that is a whole nother story. <laughs> that was incredible. I, I went to another place and it was emotional and beautiful and it was de- it was it was incredible. So I highly recommend. Um, that everyone experiences that. It was incredible. I'm so glad that you do that on Zoom as well because if there are different places around the the world, they can still connect with you. That's amazing. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so beautiful to talk. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to, hopefully we'll have you on for another episode so we can talk even more. Yes, I'd love to. Thanks, Nicola. Wow, what an amazing episode. Isn't she just incredible? And even just listening to the sound of Nicola's voice, it's so calming and peaceful. Uh, So I would so love to hear some of your takeaways from today's episode. I think just having that reminder that we need to slow down, we need to be present in the now, and that breathing might sound like a really simple thing, but often in the busyness of life, we've actually forgotten how to breathe properly. And if we have children, how we can start to actually share that with them and use it as a tool or a strategy to help with stress or pain or just getting calm and centered, which is so, so powerful. So all of the links to connect with Nicola are in the show notes and uh, you can find out more there and to be able to connect and do some of her online workshops or jumping on with her on Instagram as she does her weekly classes as well. So until next time, have a beautiful day and look forward to speaking with you real soon.